We are back in the Gospel of Luke here as we make our way through this. And I was thinking about, you know, we, we've been singing uh, some of the Christmas songs and just even that last song about Emmanuel, right? Which means, uh, as we were singing, that it means God with us. And it reminds me so much of the verses in uh, the beginning of the Gospel of John where it says, um, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then it goes on to say there um, in a few more verses, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God, is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known to us. So, um, it, isn't it wonderful that God sent His Son um, so that we could know what God is like, right? And God with us. And also, it's encouraging to be reminded of the fact that um, Jesus promised us uh, there before He went uh, and was ascended to be with God the Father, He promised, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you might be thinking, well, how is he with us when he's not like physically here? Well, it's through uh, the Holy Spirit that every believer has. We have, in a sense, the presence of Christ through the Holy Spirit in us, distinct from the Son, but we have uh, the Holy Spirit. And so he's with us uh, until he comes to return physically. And so it's just encouraging that not only did um, you know, God come to be with us in, in, a, in the person of Christ, but also, he is with us always now through the Holy Spirit and will one day return. And so, uh, I don't know, it's just encouraging to me just to, to think about the implications of God with us. And um, sometimes I think if you've been a believer for a while, you just kind of get used to that language, but don't just realize just how amazing that is. I mean, that's kind of worthy of the word awesome, <laughs> because we use the word awesome in a lot of things that you know, but that's awesome, really, that God, um, you know, would come down as a man, and um, just just amazing. So, um, uh, let's go to prayer this morning as we get into the Word of God here in the Gospel of Luke. Lord, we are so thankful that um, for Jesus, we thank you for this time of year when we are reminded of the first coming of Jesus, and and oftentimes as believers, we are. Um, yearning for, wanting uh, uh, the second coming, and can't wait for um, Jesus to come back for his church. And so, Lord, but uh, it also reminds me that you're waiting for as many who will respond to the gospel message, and it reminds us that we've got work to do until such time. And so while we wait and can't wait, in a sense, Lord, we understand that you are you're bringing things to a full conclusion and uh, patiently waiting. And so, Lord, we, um, we just um, pray this morning that you would... Uh, I pray this morning for our, our folks that are helping with child care and teaching the kids today. I pray that you'd strengthen them and empower them. Pray for all those kids uh, that, that are back there, that you'd help them to come to know you at an early age, Father. And uh, we pray that you'd bless those that are serving this morning back in the children's ministry. Lord, we also want to lift up the churches around us that are preaching the gospel this morning. Um, Lord, we just um, pray, God, that you would uh, bless them. I think about this church just down the road. Um, I can't even remember the name of it. It has like fire on their sign right across the railroad tracks there. Um, but, but even the Ukrainian fellowship here nearby, just bless them, God. Um, we pray that you would, uh, the word would go out uh, with mighty power this morning in all these places, Lord. Um, and uh, we want you to be glorified here, Father, as well. And um, strengthen uh, the hands that are weak in our midst right now, Lord. People that are struggling, uh, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, um, help us, Lord, to see what our role might be in that uh, to help others that are, that are hurting. And Lord, we just pray that uh, for those that are sick, Lord, you pray for healing for them and just for your, to be a, a very present help to them in times of trouble. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, we are 
Uh, I'm going to be covering some ground here this morning in Luke chapter 1, and um, starting with verse 39 through 56. And if you're able, uh, why don't you stand up for the reading of God's Word, and, and I'll read it this morning, just in honor of God's Word, if you're able to. Um, I'll read this aloud for us here. Uh, this is Luke 1, 39 uh, through 56. It says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judea, And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength with his arm. And he has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. This is the word of God. Please have a seat. This is one of a number of Christmas songs, you might call them, Christmas hymns. Uh, and um, Mary um, you know, is, is just burst forth with praise, and we're going to spend most of our time on that this morning um, here in just a minute. But I wanted to mention here just a, just a couple of quick things about this visit, right? So they uh, both... Uh, Mary and Elizabeth, um, they're cousins, and Elizabeth is older than, than her. Mary is, by some estimates, some people think she could be as young as 15. She's a teenager, likely. And, and Elizabeth is, you know, from what we gathered from our, our last message, is uh, beyond typical childbearing years. Okay? And so, uh, but here's two ladies going to have children, and they're getting together. I mean, that would be kind of a normal thing. Talk about what, this is kind of some big news, right, uh, about these, these happenings. Um, but I just think that this is just kind of a natural thing that would happen, right? But certainly, supernaturally, is how they've come to be with children. Um, one, you know, God opened up her womb, Elizabeth, and the other one is pregnant via the Holy Spirit, as we've learned. And so, so they're just getting together. And uh, as you read the verses there in Luke 1, the, the first section, we read here in, um, let's see, um, it says in verse 41, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, now, when you hear that, um, so here is, Maybe John the Baptist still in the womb, and Mary, right, he's going to have maybe Jesus coming into the same room, and John the Baptist is already getting, giving witness to Jesus, right? I mean, and that's, that's, his, that's his job in life, though John the Baptist doesn't know it yet, but uh, through the prophetic word given uh, from the angel, we know that he is going to be a forerunner of Jesus. He's going to be pointing people to Jesus. And um, and so it, it just reminds me of uh, Luke one fifteen, where it, when it, when it's talking about um, John the Baptist, it says here it says for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And it just makes me think what just happened there, the leaping of the baby. You know, you can say it's just moving around like normal, but I think this is something unique. Right, that is happening there, uh, that God is just kind of 
he's, he's just showing us, he's just confirming what he said is going to happen, right? That John is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, then it says Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? And she makes uh, this proclamation, right? She says, um, and she exclaimed uh, with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I wonder how she knew this. Um, She couldn't text her, okay? Uh, Couldn't pick up the phone. Um, There's about 80 miles between them. Uh, And so you're just like, it just seems like the Holy Spirit let her know this, either in that moment or sometime before. I'm speculating, but you just kind of wonder, how did she know um, that she was pregnant? And not only pregnant, but like with, with the Lord. You know, I mean, that's just amazing. Um, so, um, so this is, they're visiting each other. And, um, but then we get to uh, what has come to be known, the Magnificat, which is just really the first word in the Latin translation of this verse. Okay, of this section, that's all. So the Latin translation of the New Testament is the Latin Vulgate. And so that first word is just Magnificat. So that's how it got to be known as this song. This song of praise that she gives, it has that name. Um, now, we're going to look at um, uh, several things that Mary is, is kind of like putting into this song of praise. And she's very God-focused, and so we're just going to do what she does. We're going to look at what she talks about God. And, and um, you know, I, 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 have, I think back uh, when, when you read some of these passages years ago, 70s, 80s, I don't know. Sometimes, some decades ago, Mark Lowry wrote a song called Mary Did You Know, right? Um, well, she knew some things <laughs> because they were told to her. Um, but she definitely knew her God. She knew God well, and it comes out in this song of praise. And so we're going to look at three things that really uh, evoked this, this praise. Um, and she's magnifying God. That's what it says. And when we when we get to the end of the service today, we're, we're singing one song. Okay, uh, we say, you know everybody's messed up. We sang three to start with, right? Uh, we wanted to end with the song that is just really this song, and be that the thing that we go out on. Okay, so today we're just mixing it up a little bit to mess with your mind, but it does have a purpose. Um, and so, uh, at, at any rate, uh, so she's magnifying God. And that doesn't mean that she's making him bigger than what he is. She's declaring his greatness. Okay, that's what it means to magnify God. She's declaring the greatness of God. And she's going to tell us in different ways that have his greatness in this song. So, so three things that we're going to get at here. And the first one is just that Mary rejoices uh, or magnifies God because God has taken notice of her. And he's taken notice of her. And uh, when you look... Um, there, when she starts off in verse 46, she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then in verse 48, she says, uh, one of the reasons, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And so she's like, you know, that God would look upon me and bless me in this way to be carrying the Savior of the world. It's just amazing. And she's just saying, this is just, God is great because He's really, because you know, think about it. Then, as is often now in the world, uh, to, to have the attention of those who are in power, you need to be somebody special. <laughs> you need to be somebody worthy of their time, right? Um, and, uh, it, I mean, off, that's often the case. There are exceptions to that. Um, there are people in power that are humble, okay? And I want to make a blanket statement. But, but many, though, are inaccessible, right? And here we have Mary saying, listen, the God of the universe has, has um, noticed me, a lowly person, you know, she's. I'm, I'm. I'm engaged to a carpenter. I'm not. I'm from the town of Nazareth, which didn't have a great reputation, by the way, the town of Nazareth. So, 
let's just say she's from Fletcher, which is my hometown. 500 people. It's a nothing town. It's a one, I don't even know if there's a stoplight anymore. I haven't been through the main thoroughfare, but it was a nowheresville. She's from nowhere. And at least from there, anywhere from there, uh, you know, they would say, is, is there any good that can come from Nazareth? That was the saying. Okay? I hope they don't say that about Fletcher, but they, they said that about Nazareth. Okay? And so you just got to re- put this in perspective that she's like, God has chosen me. And she's not like saying, oh, look, I'm all that because he chose me. No, she's this, it's quite the opposite. She's saying, because he is, he's working, chosen to work through me, and it just shows how great he is. How wonderful he is. So, um, and I just think it's cool just to think about this that, you know, he knows who you are. And that sounds simple, but have you ever thought about it? God knows who you are, and he knows everything about you. He, and he knows everything that's gone on in your life from, the, from before you ever took a breath till now. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. <laughs> you know, think about that. If he knows everything about me, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Uh, And he still loves us. And so um, just think about that. God knew who she was. He noticed her. And um, her response was just one of praise. Um, And God is just pictured in these verses. I don't know if you caught it as I was reading it. But it's really a there's a there's a theme of reversal here. You know, the the proud being put down and the humble being exalted. It says that several times in here in this passage, in this song. And this is really one of them, right? Here's a um uh this this woman, uh Mary, and she's a humble servant of the Lord. She's willing to do whatever God says and that's how we left off last week with verse 38. She just says, be it done to me according to your will. And that's certainly exemplary. Um, what a great woman of God uh, with her attitude there. But So she's praising God that he's mindful of her. And again, not just because he's such an awesome person, because, but because also she's one of God's people. Okay, And I think about this, I don't have the scripture for the um, for viewing here, but Psalm 115, verse 12, says this, The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. And you put that in the context, you know, that's God's people then, right? Now we, which is probably all of us here are Gentiles, most likely, we've been grafted in just by faith, uh, into the kingdom of God, anyone who's put their faith in Christ. And so you think about this in our context now, um, is that um, he remembers us because we're his children. There's something special to God about his children. Okay, And um, in Psalm 8, verse 4, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? In other words, you know, you're God. Why do you even care about us? Right? And um, it just shows the greatness of God that he has chosen to set his affection on his people. Uh, let me read to you. A, it's a passage here in 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It says, um, and he's speaking of believers now, okay, anyone who's put their faith in Christ, the believer, and it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God, for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But did you hear that, those opening words? You, as a believer, are a cho- you're part of a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You have a ministry, okay? That may sound odd to you if you've never heard that. God has, he wants you to be a minister. And that doesn't mean like a vocation. That just means as a service to God, right? And he says, uh, a people for his own possession. When I think about those words, I think about God choosing, right? He's chosen. Uh, if you're a believer, he's chosen you. 
And that's something special. That is uh, That should evoke in you just like, okay, God, um, even though I was a person, uh, it says, as, it is, as it says there in 1 Peter 2.9, you called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Even though I was a child of the darkness, you called me out of that, right? And you have set me high on a rock so that I'm one of your children now, and I'm a, I'm a, a child of the light. And God did that. And so, um, this is just, just a, a, a realization as Mary is saying that she's rejoicing because God has taken notice of her, right, in, in her low estate. But I think about for us is that as believers, God's taken notice of you, okay? And that should encourage you. That should bless you. You know, you think about what the Southerners say, right? Bless your heart, right? Um, but, but this is really a blessing. This is not just saying it, you know, that you would be called a child of God. And that is something uh, is worthy of our praise, right? It says Mary rejoices because God has taken notice of her. So, you know, and you, you um, as as it goes on there, it says, uh, "For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name." Um, now, as you think about this, you know, someone's really not going to praise God in this way unless unless they really know Him. Right? Unless they really know him. And in verse 47, she says, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. My Savior. Did you catch that? Um, in other words, you know, it's a personal relationship with God. Uh, she had a relationship with God. God was her Savior. And that would be a question for you this morning Is God your Savior? And, um, you know, I um, in my situation, I knew all about, like early on in my life, I knew a lot about Jesus. I, I could probably win some Bible bowls, quiz questions, because I, I went to Sunday school and there was a foundation laid there, which was good. Um, but when I got to college, I realized that um, I personally need to make a decision. Was I going to be all in with the Lord Jesus? Was I going to give him my life? was that I needed saving, personally, okay? I mean, like, because I heard all the messages in, in the Baptist church I grew up in, which was preaching the gospel faithfully, and, um, and, and just, you know, about that Christ died for our sins. And so I was thinking more collectively than I was individually. And so this morning, I just encourage you, if, if you don't know, if you have a relationship with God, there's probably a good chance that you don't. <laughs> because you have to know that you need one, uh, right? It's, and, and, and so it, just know this, that, uh, you know, Jesus came uh, so that you could know God, right? And not just in an intellectual way, right? Uh, but John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. Um, how about insert your name there? God so loved you okay, that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him, would not perish, right? but have eternal life. Right? They put their faith in him. And so, um, you know, is he your savior? And if he's not, or if you're not sure today, I just encourage you to um, repent of your sin and invite him in and ask him to forgive you and to lead your life and, and you'll be off on the grand adventure uh, of following Jesus. Uh, yes, there'll be ups and downs. Uh, we're not saved from the difficulties of life, for sure. Um, we live in a sin-sick world. That you know, Every aspect of our lives and in our society has been affected by the fall of man. Okay? And so, but we can live in that um, as children of God, and He will help us live. Um, out our days until he returns by his grace. And so, so this first point here is that she's just so amazed that God is using her and has taken notice of her. Um, now, the next aspect here that she goes into in this hymn of praise, she rejoices in God because 
He shows Himself strong for His people. He shows Himself strong for His people. Now, um, where are we getting this from? It's really from verse 51. Um, In verse 51, it says that uh, He has shown strength with His arm. And He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. Now, let's just talk about this for a second where it mentions that he has shown strength with his arm. So, mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again. God doesn't have body parts. Okay? He's a spirit. But, God knows we need help understanding what he's like. And praise God for that. So, he uses uh, this type of language uh, as if he had body parts to explain to us different aspects of him. And it's called an anthropomorphism. Okay, that'll win you some Scrabble points. Okay, Uh, anthropomorphism. And it's just really attributing to God um, physical attributes. Like he's got a strong right arm. So his right arm would have been symbolic in biblical times of strength. Right? And, And that's just what she's getting at. We have a mighty God. She's giving praise to our mighty God. He has showed His strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in their hearts. Wasn't it King Nebuchadnezzar who was romping around in the grass like an animal one day? You remember that? Why was that? He was proud. He was proud, right? And and so, in fact, he would make these declarations. Look how great I am. Look what I've done. Look at the kingdom I have built. And God just humbled him. And he was romping around like an animal, right? And he was brought low. That's just one of many examples in Scripture that we see God humbling the proud. Right? Now, not every proud situation does he humble at the time. But, but what Mary's telling us, she says, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down, verse 52, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. There she goes, making the great reversal. You see that again? Just like in the first part, how she says, uh, praising God for that He would consider me a person of low estate, she says. And here she says, and... And by the way, isn't it amazing that God does bring down the proud and that He lifts up the humble. He lifts up the humble. And so, um, she's just praising God that He is mighty. And so, do you think about that you know, if you know Christ as Savior, that you serve a mighty God? You serve a mighty God. You have a mighty Savior. Jesus is a mighty Savior. When you think about this, um, look look up this verse with me. I'm kind of here. I'm, we're going off the cuff here. Acts one eight. All right, this should be something you would know uh, if you've been around your Bible for a while. It's kind of a famous verse, if you will, in the book of Acts. All right. So Acts one eight. So we have here kind of the. the if you will, uh, some consider to be the birth of the church here. And um, so we have, and by the way, Acts is like Luke part two. Did you know that? Luke wrote the book of Acts, right? You put the gospel of Luke and you put Acts together and you've got Luke's two volumes. That's, that's really what it, he wrote this. And he also mentions in the opening words, uh, Acts chapter one, verse one, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Right? And so, uh, he, so he's, he's writing this also for this most excellent Theophilus. Okay? And, and so there's this, this kind of a cool connection here. But when you get down here, so the book of Acts is kind of like, this is what Jesus is doing now. Okay? Through his church. This is what Jesus is doing now. So in verse 8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Right? So here here we have these huddled believers not sure, you know, what's maybe haven't sorted it all out, but Christ has risen and he has 
manifest himself to them, but, but he's saying that our mighty God and our mighty Savior, uh, they're provi- he's providing for us believers the power that we need to live out our mandate, which is here, is to be a witness. To be a witness for Jesus. And so, um, Mary's praising God for her mighty, that he's mighty. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm so glad he's mighty that he gives us the power we need to do what he asks us to do. And that is to be a witness. Be a witness to others around you of what God is doing in your life. Let them know that he's real. Share you know, practical ways that you see God at work in your life. Right? Sure, tell them God's story of salvation, the gospel. But tell them also your story. Interface it with your story and how he's working in your life. It's so important for people to understand the real Jesus. Not just the Jesus that's in the movies, right? Which is often so wrong uh, and unbiblical. But let them know the real Jesus and that how he's working in your life. I don't know how that can't be attractive. I mean, it, just that they would know that God is personal, right? And he personally saves us. He's, like I said, he's, he's our Savior, my Savior, your Savior, like it was for Mary. And so Jesus is mighty to save, and we serve a mighty God, and he gives us the source of power we need by the Holy Spirit there, it says, to be his witnesses. To be his witnesses. You know. Um, it's really more like just a, a legal term, right? You know, what's a witness do in the court of law? They testify. They just say, this is what's happening. Right? This would just be you telling, this is what God's done in my life. This is how he's working. He's real. And then I like to take them to the scriptures, right? Because I don't want them to like live their lives on the authority of what I say, but on what God has said about how they can know him too. Um. We serve a mighty God, and I'm so glad because in Philippians 4.13, which is another, you know, it's one of those coffee coffee cup verses, they say, uh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a mighty God, right? If you know Christ as Savior, you have a mighty God living with you, and that he's going to help you. It says there, uh, I can do all things. See, the thing is, you're not in it alone. <laughs> On your own, no, you probably can't do all things, right, that God has called you to do. But with God's power and help, with his personal presence by the Holy Spirit. By the way, I think Luke, Luke is just fantastic, if you will, in the, in the arena. He's always talking about the Holy Spirit. Always talking about the Holy Spirit and how he works in the lives of believers Last thing I'll mention on this aspect, that God is mighty, that she's praising God, that he's mighty, in terms of our experience, is in um, 1 Peter 1.5, it uses this word, it says, we are kept by the power of God. Okay, And that kind of fits with the truth that the scriptures tell us, is that once you're saved, once you become a Christian, you can't undo that. If you're truly a genuine believer, it's not, there's no like undo the Christian button. Okay? It's just, but we're kept safe in, his, in our salvation by him. We're kept by the power of God. So praise God, you and I, we serve a mighty God who provides the power to be witnesses, the strength to live out our calling, as it says in uh, uh, Philippians 4.13, but also that we're kept by his power. And just as it mentions that, I believe it's in John 10 where he mentions that, you know, we are the sheep of his pasture and, and uh, you know, he's, we're secure in uh, Jesus' hands, but then we get that double coverage, but we're also covered by the hands of the Father and he keeps us in the fold, right? And so we're kept by the power of God. So that should encourage you, believer, that you're kept by God's power, not by your performance, okay? Is that not a glory to God? That you would be kept regardless of how you live. Okay? Now we know that as a real believer, I want to pursue righteousness and doing the right thing. 
but because I still have what some people call like indwelling sin. I still have this body of flesh I live in, um, and there's a spiritual battle going on, right? But but it's not based on my performance. Um, that's why it says in Ephesians, we're saved by grace, not by works. And that is amazing, right? Because everything else in the world works by performance, right? And you're rewarded according to your performance, which I get, you know, there should be some of that. But when it comes to salvation, it's merely receiving a gift. It's receiving the gift of salvation. And uh, once you've received it, you're not giving it back. So, just amazing, amazing. So she praises God that he shows himself strong. He's a mighty God. The other thing I I didn't mention here in verse 53, uh, in this same section where she talks about God being a mighty God, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Now that's, that's like real life, people. Because, you know, many people that, who are rich in the world's eyes are the most empty people you'll ever know. They're most unsatisfied, unhappy, you know. And that's true. And, and here we have she says, for he has filled the hungry with good things. She's like, you know, God satisfies. She's like, my God satisfies me. And he will every believer. She says, I, God satisfies. And so I think that's just another good question is, you know, are you looking to God for your satisfaction? Are you looking for a drug? Are you looking for money, a position, this or that? And there's nothing wrong with wanting good things. Certainly. It's okay to have dreams and wants and desires that are, are good and healthy and, and godly. But, but having little in the world's eyes, you can be rich in God. And he's saying, so it doesn't matter what your station is. You know, uh, if you watch some of these old these British shows, these period shows, you know, they've got the upper class, they've got the upstairs, the downstairs, all that stuff, right? Right? And it doesn't matter if you're living in the downstairs. Okay? Because if you know Jesus, uh, you can be satisfied. Doesn't matter which part of the house you're living in. Okay? Um, where we are in the world's eyes doesn't matter. Now, like I said, there's nothing wrong with aspirations, desires, dreams, that kind of thing. But, but not looking for that to be our satisfaction. Right? But to know that God, right, we, we were made. To only be satisfied by God. That's how we were made. The last thing here is that uh, Mary rejoices in God's faithfulness. Mary rejoices in God's faithfulness. Now, um, you remember at the opening words of the song, she's like, was praising God that he would take thought of her low estate. Now she's kind of talking about just God's people in general, kind of an almost an, a, a statement about Israel nationally. And she says this in verse 54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And so this is like, She's just praising God that she's saying, hey, this baby that's in, that I'm going to give birth to it is the answer to all of our prayers. He's the Messiah, and he's like, God is making good on his promise, people. She's just making a declaration. She says, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to offspring forever. Think about... Um, if you haven't been in Genesis for a while, you go back to Genesis uh, chapter 22. Uh, there are many times God, you know, um, reminded Abraham of the covenant he made. A number of times. Which, by the way, isn't that real? We just need reminders. We've got to keep hanging on to those promises. God said. God said, right? Okay, so here we have uh, verse 17, Genesis 22. Uh, Lord is saying this to Abraham, I will surely bless you, I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the star, 
as the sand, as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore. In other words, uh, so many you can't count. Um, but what was his problem? Couldn't have any kids. Sounds familiar. Right? Seems to be an epidemic here, right? All through the Bible, don't you see people in these impossible situations? And he's, and he's like, oh, by the way, you don't have any kids, and you're old, and you're like real old, you know? <laughs> Too old to have people. I don't know what that number is, by the way. Don't even ask me for a number on that. But you're real old, and I'm going to bless you with descendants that you can't even count. That's, that's, that's quite a declaration, quite a promise, an amazing promise, right? And so, and he says, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Isn't this cool? This here, this, this Abrahamic covenant, this promise that God, this covenant that God is making with Abraham, that through his seed, all the nations will be blessed, is coming to fruition right here with that baby that's going to be born inside of Mary, Jesus. He is that one where, who will be a blessing to all the nations. Okay, And um, if you read the Scriptures, you realize that, um, to, uh, again, you've you got to realize that so much of the, um, when you read the Bible, is, is Jewish, right? <laughs> Hebrew, Jewish. And you've got to realize, now, so, so, so to be Jew was to be God's, people, right? Um, and so, but then we're so thankful that uh, Paul was a, a missionary to the Gentiles and revealing to us that, no, God's plan is so much bigger than that, than a nation. He's like, it's, it's going to be, if you're going to be a real Jew, you're one by faith, right? And, and the mark of a Jew, a one, right, who was God's people, was the mark of uh, circumcision of every male, right? That was the mark that you're his people, right? And so he says, you know, to be really circumcised now, it's a circumcision of the heart. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you put your faith in him fully? Right? And if you have, then we are uh, an answer to all of this stuff here. Like if you put your faith in Christ, you are one of those descendants of Abraham. You're part of the people of God. Called by his name, right? It says, uh, and so this is just, uh, I'm just pointing this out, that all these times in Genesis when God reminds Abraham of his promise, this right here, when, when Mary mentions back here, um, where she says, as, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever, she's talking about this. She's talking about this. She's just saying, this is amazing, God. We are seeing here. In her time, she's like, in my time, we are seeing what you have promised for generations. For generations. Can you imagine that? Um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a good waiter. I'm not good at waiting. I, I, I get, you know, uh, I, I can't have a hard time standing still, as you know. Uh, you know, it's just hard to kind of pin me down. My oldest son is the same way. In fact, we noticed on the, sorry, Josh. Uh, on FaceTime the other day, he was walking around his apartment with his phone. Like he's, I'm like, man, I'm sorry, Josh. It's like, it's my fault. <laughs> it's just, you know, just so I'm, I'm not a good waiter. And, but just thinking about, like, as the generations went on, one generation to the next, you're saying, well, you be thinking, will, be, will this be the time that God will, will the Messiah come now in our time? You know? And now she's like, praise the Lord. He's come. He has come. And so she is just bursting forth with the fact that God keeps his promises. Now, the last thing I want to mention just about Mary here is this verse right here, um, these last couple of verses where she um, is making the connection for us. You got, she, was a, she was a woman of the word. Uh, I mean, they didn't have one, you know, couldn't go to Lifeway or even order from Lifeway or Amazon a Bible. They would have heard it orally taught. And if you do a little studying and you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 2, 
And you're going to realize her song is an echo of Hannah's song. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read it for you just real quick. So Hannah in the Old Testament, again, is like, Lord, we want to have a baby. If you give us a baby, I'll give him to you in, in your service. And, and she kept good on that promise. But in, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, here's what she says. Now listen to the song. Just listen. It says, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no, no holy, none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Wait a minute. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is, is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken. You hear this? Again, she's like, God's putting down the proud. He's putting down the mighty according to human standards. She's saying the same things. It says, those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. See the same thing? I'm telling you, she's full of Bible. <laughs> and when she is praising God, I don't have the proof, but I'm thinking, she's like, it's just Bible's coming out of her mouth. Just thinking Hannah, you know, and all the Hannah expressed. I mean, I don't know. I don't know for sure, but it sure sounds like it to me. You read the rest of that, those 11 verses in 1 Samuel 2, it's like Hannah. And so it's just encouraging and, uh, and uh, just maybe just a, an encouragement to all of us that she was a woman of the word. And um, her mind was, must have been steeped in what she was hearing. She was just mulling it over so that. When this is happening to her, she's just connecting the dots with the help of the Holy Spirit. Just amazing, amazing. So um, just, just putting a little plug here to, to get the Word in your life, right? If it's not a regular habit of you reading Scripture and, uh, and chewing on it, so to speak, uh, thinking about it, just little bits, right? I, I, I encourage you to um, as we maybe as we go through Luke, you know, just um, we have a reading plan. If you don't have it, be happy to email it to you. If you have not on our email list, but just take a few verses every day, and um, and, and just think on it, and ask God to help you see uh, what He wants you to do with that. Or what do you learn about Him? Oftentimes, sometimes you learn something about God. Right? It is a book about God. Right? And you'll learn something about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit. Or you'll learn something about what he wants you to do or doesn't want you to do. Right? Those are simple ways just to kind of think about what you read. Right? So that, not just so you can be like a walking Bible encyclopedia. That's not the goal. The goal is transformation. That when we take in the Word of God and when united with faith and obedience, He transforms our lives. He transforms our lives. And so just to encourage you, maybe take, take some time if you have not um, been regularly taking in the Scriptures to start doing that and ask God to teach you about Him and to show you um, what He wants for you each day. Just say, Lord, you know, because, um, you know, Jesus Himself, when He was tempted in the wilderness, said, man does not live by bread alone, right? But by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's God's Word. In other words, you need the Word of God in your life like you and I need food in our tummies. And I know I need food. Okay, And I like lots of it, typically, and all kinds of varieties. But we need Bible. right? As a, as a person, if you, if, you, if, our, if you know Christ, if you put your faith in Him, you need to feed your spiritual life. It doesn't happen, you know, just like, you know, healthy people when they grow up, they have good nutrition, right? You need good nutrition if you're going to be healthy. Now, there's other factors we know, but it's saying you don't have much of a chance if you don't have good nutrition. That's why our church down in Nicaragua has a nutrition center, because they know, right? This is a major need, right? So if you want to grow up spiritually, you must have a regular intake of Scripture. Uh, yourself, you, you know, 
you don't eat, how many, how many here eat more than one day a week? Everybody. I hope everybody here eats more than one day because I want to know how you're doing that. Okay? Because <laughs> I could probably lose a few pounds doing it, but that wouldn't be healthy. Um, so, so I'm just saying that, you know, why would we think that coming to churches should be our only Bible intake? Okay, so, okay, hear me. I, I'm not about guilt. I'm just saying, I'm about saying this is the need, okay? It's about, you know, I wouldn't be loving to you if I didn't say this is what you need, if that's what you need. And God says that's what you need. More than what Greg says, it's what, it's what God says. He, you need it. You need it every day just like you need, you know, like I need my lucky charms at night. You know? And that's a need. No, just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, I, I pray the Lord will bless you in your Bible reading. Okay? If you've had a hard time with it before, I, I pray that he will just show, um, just show himself to you in the Scriptures. Because, okay? um, you know, that's how he reveals himself to us, right there in the Word of God. All right? Let's go to prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. Um, for thankful for Mary here and just her wonderful song of praise, the Magnificat as it's been called. And uh, we've really just scratched the surface, but we see there that you're mindful of the lowly. And we don't have to be in any kind of position of power to get your attention. We just need to be one of your children. We need to be able to call you my Savior, as she says. Have a personal relationship with you. And, and so, Lord, we thank you, God, for that. And we thank you also that we serve a mighty God. We know a mighty God. And there's so many blessings that come with that. And, Lord, we're so thankful that you are a God who keeps his word. Every promise that you've made to us in the Bible is yes in Christ Jesus. Lord, let us live our lives, as the hymn says, standing on the promises of God. And let us walk in obedience to you with the power of your Holy Spirit and knowing that when we fall, your net of grace is right there for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.